Welcome to another episode of My Immortality Matters, The Voices and Lives of Black Men. I've been away for a while, I'm sure you've noticed, and I am deep into my dissertation research as I am obtaining my PhD in Human Sexuality Studies. My research study is exploring young black men's perceptions of the connections between structural violence, mental health, and sexual behavior. In this study, I will look at how do young black men see these connections, and I will also explore heterosexual men and men who have sex with men and their similarities and differences in seeing these connections. So I am currently interviewing men from all over the country and it's going amazing. And I cannot wait to share my research results with you um, and what I'm finding and what the men were saying and, hear, and getting their voices out um, into the world. Tonight, I have a guest that I believe everyone needs to know. You need to meet him. You need to spend some time with him um, because he makes you look great. He makes you feel good about yourself and he listens to you. I am talking about my barber. My barber's name is Nafis Williams, better known as Nafis the Barber. Getting a haircut for a black man is like, I don't know, one of the most amazing things that we do weekly, bi-weekly in some cases, because you leave the barbershop and you feel invincible. You know you look good and normally you have the new haircut smell as you walk out the barbershop. Barbershop is also the place where there are a lot of new beginnings that happen. The first time a father or mother or parents together bring their son to the barbershop is a new beginning. And watching a young kid get his hair cut, sometimes they're crying and the barber's trying to console him or the parents are trying to console him to keep his head still, to not move around as much. It's always, it's a passageway that we probably don't talk about a lot enough, but the passageway for young black boys and for us men to understand the power of grooming, the influence of looking good and smelling good. And so in the barbershop, um, that's where that happens. And I've been going to the barbershop weekly since my dad would take my brothers and I uh, when I was a kid and now as an adult, I've gone to the barbershop every week um, to get a haircut until the pandemic happened last year and I the barbershop was closed, obviously. But then I grew my hair out and so now I go now like once every three weeks. But I still love going for the conversation for the this time in this space. 
And so tonight's conversation with Nafis the Barber is going to be about the barbershop. It's going to be about how black men experience racism. It's going to be about Nafis's experiences in some of these areas. And it's a wide ranging discussion that we're going to have. So I am excited about it. I'm excited that he is here and that we are ready to talk to you about the life of black men and that our voices and our lives do matter. Tell you a little, about who, little bit about who he is, um, how he got started in the business of cutting hair, and then we can have a series of questions for him for our time together. So, not feast. What's up, young man? Hey, hey, hey! What's going on, Doctor John Teller? I'm having I'm a good lot. day. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. So, tell us a little about yourself. Who are you? What brings you to the work you do? Well, who I am? I'm a child of God, Jesus Christ, actually, by way of Denise and Albert Williams. But uh, besides that, I'm a barber. I've been a barber for 21 years. I started barbering, actually had scholarships to college for basketball. Um, I turned them down because I knew that, I always been a person who knew what he, I always wanted to do what I wanted to do. So if mm -hmm. I didn't want to do it, I wasn't going to do it to the full, to my full ability. So uh, only reason why I was going to go to college was to play basketball and pledge, you know, and have parties. like. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> right, I mean, right. you got to be real with yourself. Right. So I, I, I decided that wasn't a good idea. So I, one day I went to a barbershop with my brother's friend. Oh, no, I was going to go to the service. The day I was supposed to leave, the girl I was dating at that time asked huh? me to not go. So I didn't go. Really? Really, yep. So um, I went to a barbershop with my brother and his friend was a barber in Philadelphia. And... You know, he he dressed fly. You know, everybody in there was waiting for him. I said, "This is what I want to do." I didn't have, I had no idea how much barbers made. Like, I had no mm -hmm. idea. You know, I just knew that I wanted to be cool like him, and I want to have people waiting for him. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a reason, right? Yeah. Right, right. That was a reason. So, there you go. That's how I became a barber. That's that's interesting. The way you uh, you fell into that work sounds like. Were you cutting hair before then? No, I never. Not at all. Any idea? Not at all. I didn't. I didn't know how to do anything. All I knew I, at that time, all I knew how to do was play basketball and get girls, get women. Okay. Well, girls okay. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess it's also interesting thinking about you turned down the scholarship, and you, your girlfriend said no, you didn't go to the army as well. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. amazing how life life turns out for us. You know. Yeah. 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 So when you think about like life, how life turns out for us good segue to the conversation we're going to have today looking at how um, we as black men show up in the world and how the world shows, shows up towards us as well. So, you know, last year we had the death of George Floyd, right? And I think we all could not unsee what we saw in that case. And, and also other black men who have died at the hands of the police, um, through police violence, um, excessive force, the list goes on. How do you think that has impacted you seeing these things from the lens of a black man? Uh, it opened my eyes up. So like, once again, I go back to me being being realistic, right? Mm -hmm. I know these things happen. Like mm -hmm. when these things happen, I'm not shocked. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened again, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it's now that it's broadcasted worldwide. You know, now I get to actually see it. 
you know, and so that the way I don't think it affected me, I think that it just showed me that these things are still real. Guard yourself, be protected, understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But when you think about understand what's going on, does that mean you have to have be more vigilant in some ways? Is that what that means? No, uh, understanding means knowledgeable, right? Okay. All right. So whereas though, don't be don't be oblivious that these things don't be naive that these things don't happen. You know, being that this is the this is a country that that I feel as though isn't the laws aren't for us. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to and I have kids. You know, I mm-hmm. have to I have to tell them how to how to conduct themselves as well as I have as just as well as I have to know how to conduct myself, which is shame, which is a shame. You know, others don't others don't have to carry themselves the way we have to carry ourselves. So we just got to stay. We got to stay cognizant of that. Right. No, that's that's the thing. It's pretty interesting because when you think about it, you have you have kids, and so as a child, did your parents talk to you about this stuff like police and racism and? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not not at all. You know, um, I think I had family members who may have mentioned it, but uh-huh. no one sat sat me down and actually talked to me about it. How do you feel about that? Not having that conversation. Um, you know, I I don't feel any type of way about it. You know, because at that time we were living, we were living in different times. You know, there's a lot of things that I look back and I say, and I'm pretty sure we all do. We could say, man, damn, I wish my mom or dad would have said this. I wish my aunt and uncle would have said this. You know, um, but I come from the era of go to college, get good grades, stay out of trouble, working nine to five. You know, mm-hmm. so to where though now, the information age, you know, internet and everything else, we can I can touch what's going on in China. You know, back in those times, we couldn't touch what was going on in China. We couldn't touch what was going on in India. Right. You know, so now there's things that I've seen, of course, from traveling as well, that now I can have those conversations with my kids. Mm-hmm. You so, know, so if, go ahead, I'm sorry. Sorry, finish, finish your thought. No, I'm just, so those, so, so I don't blame the generation before me. I actually applaud them, mm-hmm. you know, because they still they still had they still had a way about them that they try to teach us to stay on the right path. Right. So how old are you when you say back in the day or in those times? <laughs> I'm thirty nine. <laughs> I'm thirty nine. Thirty nine. Okay. All yeah, right. Thirty nine. Young man, you are. That's good. All right. So, all right. So. <laughs> So with so with your kids, are you having the are you telling about these conversations about what to look out for, how to protect themselves in the world? Are you sharing that with your sons now or your kids now? Yes, yes. It's okay. funny. It's that's a funny it's a funny situation because my mom, my mom actually tries to talk to them more than I do, right? <laughs> <laughs> like she's teaching them things she that I thought I should have been taught, but you know, she like I said, she's more advanced and educated now because of the internet and you know things that's going on mm-hmm. um but yeah i have those conversations with my children just try like i said just trying to educate just trying to educate them on how to conduct yourself mm-hmm. you know uh, i see situations where uh it's a good it's a movie out um american skin i'm not sure if you've seen that no i haven't seen that yet i write that down okay you have- you have to you have to see that right okay. all right and, and so what happened was the the father they lived in a bad neighborhood and i'm not gonna say a bad neighborhood they lived in a, a neighborhood that wasn't the suburbs his son went to a suburban school right mm-hmm. which is a great school 
And his dad took a job as a janitor so his son could go to a suburban school. Hmm. Right? Uh-huh. And so what happened was, and and what we do as as now as parents, we try and give our kid something better than what we had. Right, right, right. Right? Yeah. So so now you're torn, right? Because now this guy has put his son in a suburban school, right? So he really doesn't understand, he doesn't see life how a black person really sees life. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he thinks, oh yeah, you know, in class we learned that everybody can, everybody has a right to um, uh, talk back to a cop or say something, say something to a cop, right? Mm-hmm. And the dad, he's on a Zoom call with his friend and dad steps in the room and says, wait a minute, son, you can't say that. Like, can you say it? Is it is it right? You should be able to say that. Yes, but can you say it? No. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So, so he doesn't understand because he's never seen these things happen. It is. It doesn't seem so. It doesn't seem real to him because of the environment that he's in. Got you. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So they get. So they. So they driving in the neighborhood. He just picked his um his son up from his friend's house who lived in, in, a, in a suburban neighborhood. So they driving, and the cops pull him over. The cop gets out the car, gets him out the car, and he's telling his son, put your phone away. Put your phone down. He's yelling it to him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the cop, the cop shoots him. Shoots who? The kid. Whoa. Right? Right. So, so I, I, I'm painting that picture because there's some things in that that I, re, I reflect to my sons about. One is, if I tell you to do something, you do it right mm-hmm. but but that goes to how as a black as a black man how we're raised right right right, right every yeah. time I, every time my parents told me to do something they always said it this way you know instead of explaining it to me you know and so now when i have my kids i'm trying to explain it to them i'm trying to give them leeway to where though they can question when i tell them to do something okay okay right yeah yeah so 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 that's what so that's the torn part when you're trying to give your kid a better life but you're also you're also trying to not um bring them up the way that you were brought up and so to so to some degree like give them a little leeway and so sometimes you think sometimes because that happens like trying to grow them up differently in a way that some of the things the kids may need to know they miss they miss yep Yep. and that could put them in danger later that could put them in danger like if i tell you to do something don't say, hey, dad, why? Or, ah, oh, you sure? Or, no, just do it. Okay. We can talk about later why I told you to do that. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so that's, that's, um, so yeah, so back to your original question about the racism, you know, that's why I have conversations with my kids is if I tell you to do something, mm-hmm. just do it. Mm-hmm. We'll figure everything else out later. And do respect, you respect authority, respect all kinds of authority. Anybody older, you respect them. I think that's a good lesson though, to teach kids because you know, authority figures can come in all sides like teachers, police people, older adults. And I guess having this, having that lesson learned at home can like help them out in the world to kind of like be better, do better, and kind of see better. But also, I guess you also talk to them about like standing up for themselves as well if they are wronged like standing up for themselves so how do you tell them to do that in a way that keeps them safe say that one more time john like if, if like you tell your children like okay respect authority and all of those things 
at the same time, do you teach them how to stand, stand up for themselves um, in a way that also is saying, because sometimes authority is not right. So how do you help them navigate how to how to manage that when, when authority figures have gone with a rogue in some cases? Um, well, the thing is, don't you you can stand up for yourself, but it's a time and place. When you dealing with when you okay. dealing with your peers, you stand up for yourself. When you deal with any kind of authority, you let them have it, and you come back and you let me deal with it because they're my peers. Gotcha. Okay. That's good. That's good advice. So how do you feel like then when you think about authority in your life in some cases? Have you have you, have you ever experienced racism before in your life, discrimination before? And if so, what happened and how did you deal with that? Um, I've I've experienced. I, 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 so let me I'm going to tell you what happened and you tell me you tell me what, what you think I went through. Right. Because OK, I, to be honest, with you, I don't I can't say directly. Um, it was maybe stereotype. Uh, I'm not sure if okay. racism played a part of it. Part of it. Um, okay. So I was on a plane, and I was going. I can't remember where I was going, and I was in first class. And this guy owned the business. I know a business because a couple of my clients frequent his business. So he owns a business, and he said to me, "What did you do? How? What do you do? How did you get up in first class?" What? Right. And, was it? Wow. And, and okay. in my head, I was thinking, well, you, I got I got here the same way you got here, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, yeah. So then I said, what do you do? And he, he went on to tell me what he did. I said, oh, yeah, well, you know, a couple of my clients, they come to you. Um, And he's a, he's a suit guy. I said, yeah, a couple of my clients go. And I started giving names. And then he was like, mm-hmm. oh, OK. So then it was, I guess it was a validation of who I was. But that's that's one of the things that has happened. Um, I can't say that I've actually somebody said you know done anything racist or said anything racist um, off the right. top of my head. But that's one of the situations I've been in, whereas though I was looked at like I didn't belong. Yeah, that's be interesting because a lot of people are going to hear this and, and think like there's no way this black guy can say he's not experienced racism before, you know, outright racism. Um, but I think it's interesting when you when you when you recall this story, like this guy almost felt like I'm here, you don't belong, or how did you get here too, in a way. Right. And that could be either stereotyping, some form of racism, or or oppression in some cases. But more like the idea of feeling like you don't belong, and if so, how? How you had to kind of like justify the reason you were able to have the seat you had on Correct. the plane. Correct. Yeah. Did you feel offended? Were you pissed off? I mean, I, what'd you feel? I felt, I felt like um, I was definitely, I was definitely, I was taken back. I was, you know, I was taken back. Like, yo, who the, you know, who the, who the f are you, dude? Like, you know, I'm from Philly. Like, <laughs> you know, it's right. Like, what do you mean? You know, so right. I, I guess I was taken back. Um, so yeah, I can't. I, I was probably offended at the time. Mm-hmm. You know. But the, believe it or not, that's had, that has happened more than once on the plane, sitting in first class. Uh, normally, right. normally at that for that example, I knew who the guy was, so I I, I had a name drop. But normally, I tell people I'm a trash truck driver. You do? <laughs> why do you have? Why, why do you? Okay. Yeah, I tell people I'm a say truck. more about that that identity. I don't know. It's just it's just fun, you know. I say I'm a trash truck driver. Maybe I picked up the trash a couple of times. You know, it's just fun. 
But why do you do that? Though? I am curious now. Because I, I don't. Because I, I also I also have a, have an alter ego when I fly. I, don't, I, I work at the Gap when I fly. <laughs> you, you know, I don't. I don't want to give people the satisfaction of feeling like feeling like they. I just don't want to give people the satisfaction. You know, of knowing what I do or how I got where I got. You know, I'm sitting here. It doesn't matter. So it's almost like you feel like you don't have to answer to them for where you are. Right. And if you told me you did something else, they said, oh, that makes sense. That's why. Right. Exactly. Okay. Now that's, that's, a, that's a neat perspective. I haven't thought of it that way. But I tell folks, I'm a, I work at the Gap because I'm a therapist. I don't want to hear people's problems. Like, <laughs> so I say, I work at the Gap. It's oh, okay. They leave me alone. And I love the Gap. I shop at the Gap. No, you know, I'm not making any digs towards the Gap. It's just easier for people to not ask me about my um, my life. But so when you think about like, you know, th- that experience and those things in your life, what role do you, do you feel like there's any role of stigma or internalized racism and yet may go with you in your life in any way? Say that again. Do you feel like there's, there's any way of any um, role that stigma plays in your life? Stigma as being a black male, stigma as being um, yeah, any of those ways oh, yeah. it shows up. For sure. Um, so my son goes to my son goes to a black, uh, um, a very very. Both of my sons go to a very very uh, predominant school, predominantly white school, and it's very. Um, it's one of the top schools actually in in uh, the tri-state area, and so it's, I have to make sure that my family and I are always at parent teacher. We're always at an event, you know, because I don't want to. I don't want to be the black, the black father who's not around. Huh. And so, does that? So, is that really? Is that about like the idea that this, this idea that black fathers are absent from their children's life? And when we know research shows that black fathers are more prevalent in their children's life. Yeah. But like, do you feel like because it's, that's, that's, why, that's why you show up to kind of like not give that negative idea, like where where's the dad? Exactly, exactly. You know, um, we because of that stereotype, because of that stigma. You know, I want I want people to know that you no, know, there's black fathers around. You know, this this black kid is very loved and supported. You know, he's not here. He's not here because some some white guy gave gave him. You know, a bunch of money to come here, and he's his he's his pu- uh, puppy um, poster child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But does that was that was that some in some ways like I don't know? Does that annoy you that you had, you have to do that? No, I mean I, I should so be there. Not be at there. all. I should be there. Right. You know, but it's just it's just it, the sad part is that these these type of things are thought about. Right. You know, it might be a day where I don't feel like going. You know, I, I really don't. You know, white. It's funny because you don't see any white fathers. You see mostly white mothers. Oh, huh. yeah. Okay. So we think about like your presence there and having you know feel like you want to be there and be there for your son. I think it's great that you are in that presence. What is one thing you would tell your younger self now about your life? You were able to talk to young Nazis age of we say 10 years old 14 what would you tell them about life life as you know it i now? would say invest your money 
invest invest every dime that you got into 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 the stock market um save money and buy buy land um don't have any kids until you're married those those would be the three things i would i would definitely say why would why would those be some of the lessons, the things you would tell him about having kids to your marriage? What is that about for you? That you so I think that want to share. That I think with? that coming from so now this is deep. Now this is gonna be this is a good this is a good good conversation, right? Okay. <clears throat> um, first, I, I believe you should have kids to marry in your late thirties, right? So whereas oh. though mm-hmm. your early twenties, you 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 fuck up, you mess up, right? Mm-hmm mid 20s right. to late 20s you're figuring out who you are what do you really what do you really want to do right mm-hmm. yeah early 30s you meet you meet uh you meet your partner and y'all travel and learn each other mm-hmm. and then your late 30s y'all y'all are settled and now starting a family um now that timeline is is I mean, of course, you know that that comes and goes. <laughs> that timeline, that's the, that's in the perfect, right. that's in the perfect world, right? But right, right, that's right, right. that's the blueprint that I'm putting out there, right? Just like the blueprint I'm putting out there for my for my career, right? The things that we yeah. do is we uh-huh. we put these we say these things and we say, oh, that's not that's not realistic, but it is realistic. You know, right. you the same way you put right. a, the same way you're going to become a doctor, you learn you put out a blueprint on how you're going to achieve that in the years that it's going to take, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, now right. I think that having a child being married, um, the child needs both parents, right? Both parents that are on the same right. path, the same career goal, the same goals pair as a family. So, mm-hmm. and, and it's good to have that in the same house. Now, can you raise a kid? Can y'all raise a kid from, from co-parenting? Sure, right? But it's right. still not the same as having two parents in a household that are both um, positive. Now, give me wrong, there are some parents that had kids and the household was just in shambles. I'm talking about the household right. where the, the mother and father on the same goal, same path. Uh-huh. You know, um, raising raising a, raising kids from different households is hard. You know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You want to be there every day. Yeah. You want to, you want to, you don't want to have to wait till the weekend to, to um, go over what they did on Monday in school. Right, yeah, because because you can start in that with that scenario, you you're missing something, right, in the child's life, in in the, in, in their daily life, that you're waiting for the weekend to show up to see. Yes. But also, I think it's interesting as you laid your timeline out, you know, the ages of twenties and thirties, and how what you know how people could find their plan for their life. I think a lot of that seems to go into like identity, like because you are you are as you are younger, you're you're understanding who you are. And almost seems like as you are getting older, you come to a more understanding of this is who I am, this is what I want for my life, and you can make better decisions as you're as you're aging. And so hopefully then you will you'll find the life partner is also making those same kind of decisions that you're making for your life. Yep. And and creating and then having children that's kind of like create that bond even stronger for you. Yes. Yes. I like I like that plan. So, how do you feel like then? You think when you think about that idea, right? And as a barber, and you're in the barber shop, and these conversations are happening about relationships, and um, how do you navigate those conversations then? 
Um, do you bring this view up to people? Do you say this out loud to other people, or this is your internal? No, I definitely say it out loud. You know, it's always a conversation. I mean, you know, you know how we rock and roll, John. You know, it's always, it's, you know, I'll, I'll just be myself. You know, and 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 you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't say anything to hurt anyone. And you know, it's just like, hey, man, what do you think about this? You know, um, right. yeah, um, because I feel like if we, if especially the black community, if we got a blueprint on how of course things happen in life and you gotta alter your blueprint right mm-hmm. but if you get a blueprint right. if you get one blueprint of how you want things to go and they change that's something different when you get a blueprint on how you want things to go and you follow that blueprint mm-hmm. and you be you'll be you can be successful you know uh one thing about one thing growing up in the black community back in in the early 90s was in the 80s and 90s was Get a lot of girls. Black guy gets a lot of girls. He's the man, right? right but nobody yeah, told you uh-huh. the problems that came along with that, right? You know the things that you're gonna run up against with with, with that thought with the, with that thought process, right? But you know that's not really shown a lot, like the downside of that. But it also goes into this idea of the man box, right? What the things that society says men are to be and should be and then men strive to be that box guy. But the reality of it is no one lives in a box. We're not square people. So trying to meet, you know, trying to meet an agenda that way oftentimes leads leads somewhere to like disaster in people's lives or a lot of depression and anxiety in some ways. But I wonder when you think about this blueprint, it's not like you say people have a business plan for their life. Like we create business plans for businesses. So for your life, create some of the same kind of idea. Like what do you want to do? Goals, plans to get there in some ways? Correct. Correct. You know, how to achieve how to achieve these goals. You know? Um, as I get older, you know, I hear I hear I hear people, you know, it's it's interesting. Now I hear these conversations, right? But I didn't hear these conversations when I was younger. You know, hey man, don't chase the money. I mean, don't chase the women. You know, um, if you get women, if you get money, the women are gonna come, right? You know, mm-hmm. like I said, right. like I keep referring, referencing is women was always the priority in my life. That was the picture that was painted for me as what a man is. The cool guy, the man, right? Right. So, right. so me chasing women took away from me making money. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you have multiple, when you yeah. have multiple, you got to think about, hey, I'm having multiple dates. That's multiple, that's multiple <laughs> amounts of money going out. Right, which is taken away from my goal, and also loss of time. And lots of you time. Multiple lots of time, which is taken away from right. my goal. My, right. Taken away from me right. figuring right. out who I am and what I need to right. do for my life so I can achieve my goals. Right. So priorities can sometimes be screwed when you when you when you're focused on some of the wrong things at times. Correct. Well, yeah, some yeah, yeah. Right, you can you know sometimes you can get left behind or forget what your what your real your real agenda your real agenda is. Yep. That's really fascinating because uh, I think you know these things we see a lot in movies. These things I, I hear about a lot, but I think like being able to like put it into words in that simple of a phrase, I think it's really good how you how you frame that. So that's um, that's helpful. So what's one of the things you think you would say to to um, What's one positive thing you would say about black men? We're not cheaters. You were. 
<laughs> oh, you got to say more than oh, that. Man. Come on. No. What, is, what does that mean? We're not cheating. No, I'm just joking. You know the you know the whole stereotype. Black men cheat. You know, yeah, we're not cheating. Um, no. Yeah. One thing about yeah. black men, I think we're we're strong. We're 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 um we're like MacGyvers. You know, mm. we we we. I mean, we're not like the black woman. The black woman is something powerful. Like the most powerful per- person in the world, right? Amazing, amazing yeah, right? Absolutely. But we have yeah. we're we're powerful as well. Like our 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 strength, our features, you know, um, our knowledge. You know, most of the things that most of the things that were made in America and built was built off of our backs. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, I think that's that's if I was if I was to describe a black man, I would that's how I would describe us: powerful, okay, knowledgeable. That's good. Yeah. And you said just now that black women are the most powerful, the most powerful forces. Do you think they realize that the power that they yes, have? Yes, I think they do, and I think they're fed up knowing that they are the most powerful, the most dynamic person in the world, and 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 aren't being protected, aren't being you know um, appreciated. Should I say appreciated? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think it's one thing, and I think you know seeing. Um, Kamala Harris become vice president. Oh man, I'm Before, you know, we have we have we have we have Stacey Abrams who's like phenomenal in her own right. And there's so many other strong black women, Michelle Obama, the list goes on. But I think but think about how you just said they realize they are powerful, but also realizing they're not getting respect that they deserve. Right. And you know I'm not a fan of Kamala. You know that, Josh. I know you're not uh, a fan. I know you're you could use Michelle Obama first. Okay? Kamala Harris, I know. What'd you say? You could have used Michelle Obama first, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like Kamala Harris, and I, I know we had we had that conversation already before. But I think part of the, the, I think the thing is like looking at what is what what she stands for in the symbolism of being the first vice president who is a black Asian American person, a black woman of Asian descent. So, but when you but also when you think about the, um, black men and racism and the power that we also hold. Do you um, have an idea why why some black men don't reach their potential in some cases? What what we could holding them back hmm. from reaching some of the things that we could do as black men? Since we are powerful, we built the world, we built things on our back. So, what's holding us back from seeing our excellence? I guess. I think I'm op- oppression. Um, <laughs> dog just came in the house. <laughs> yeah. I'll edit that out. <laughs> That'd, be, <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, okay, so we can take a pause so I can like. You want me to just go with the answer? Okay, so you. I'm go with the answer. Yes. Yeah, right. so, so hold on. So let me get this right. So hold on a second then. All right, go. Go with the answer. So I think that oppression has. Oppression is definitely one of the main reasons. Um, we were brainwashed and manipulated to think that we weren't good enough. You know, and I hear people all the time saying, and I was one of these people, oh man, get over it. Slavery was such and such years ago, right? But it's, it's right. not that just slavery was such so many years ago, but it's the mindset, right? So it's trickled down from generation to generation that example, I, was, I wasn't I was taught, you know, uh, something. I was, let's say I wasn't taught about credit, right? 
I, w- I didn't learn about credit until I heard of it. Let me say this. I heard of it mm-hmm. when I got in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it until I got in my 30s. Right? So, 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 I can say that was I in my own way? No. I just didn't have any knowledge. I was ignorant to what, what was what was needed. Right. And, but I think thinking about yeah. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, John. But I mean, but yeah, you said something I think is interesting. Like you know, hearing about it in your 20s and not understanding until your 30s, right? So sometimes that can like have us behind in some cases, right? Oh, for sure. Because we're not, we're not. Uh, prepared i guess for sure and that's that's why i say things like that that's just one example of why we're not um we're not ahead you know of course of course not everyone some people just don't want to be ahead like let's not put that out there let's not forget that Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cases where we just weren't given the tools to understand what we needed to be ahead I think it may get pushed back with that idea that some folks don't want to be ahead. No, some people don't want to be ahead. Some some don't. Some, why do you, why do you, some, like, why do you say some like to be content where they're at. Some people think that they okay. made it. You know? Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Some people are scared. Some result- people are scared to get ahead. Right. Some people are scared right. to ask how to get ahead. Right. Which goes back to which goes back to slavery, right? Because of pride. Mm. Right? Because Right. They they okay. demasculated so much a black man in slavery that you know some things you don't say and ask about, or 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 even further down the line, coming up, right? Mm-hmm. There are some things you just don't even talk about in your family, right? Right? Yeah. So so yeah. just so that's how we some that's how some black men aren't ahead because some things we're not even supposed to talk about or ask questions about. Because the idea of like, you're supposed to already know. You're supposed to already know. You're supposed to know how to do it, what to do, how to say mm-hmm. it, and all that stuff. But no one tells you the answer. You're supposed to just know these right. things. Which I think can sometimes can um, have a person set up for failure because they're not prepared for success. Correct. And so also, the, sometimes the fear of being successful can also lead to complacency as well. Correct. And you know, feeling paralyzed in your life because you don't know what to do or how to do it, and so you kind of like find yourself waiting for someone. To, yeah, waiting. Oh. Yeah. No, that's 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 really good. Really fascinating. So one thing I guess I know we can we're um, we've been talking a while. But I don't want to take all your time up today, but I think one of the, I guess one of the final questions I would ask you is. For someone here in the podcast, um, in your conversation today, what's one thing you want them to take away from you and what you have said? What's one takeaway you want them to pick up from this conversation? Uh man, you know we can talk forever, man. Like for real, yeah, <laughs> I have no problem. With yeah. but um, I think I just want people to look within and understand who they. The first thing you have to do is understand who you are. Go to therapy. Go to John Teller, Dr. John Teller, right? <laughs> so you can understand yeah. and learn who you are. Most of us don't know who we are and try and get in relationships, try and have kids, you know, try and do different things in life without understanding who we are. So we don't understand why we're doing these things. 
mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, I agree. And, and why is it important for people to know who they are, right? Like saying, okay, but now go find out who you are, understand who you are. Why is that important to know that? So you understand for relationships, right? For example, relationships. While you understand who you are and what you like, you know what you won't put up with. You know how you want to be treated. You know how you don't want to be right. treated. For your career, right? right? You don't want to go into a career knowing that you don't like doing something. Now it's 2021. You can make money doing anything. So find, find out what your passion is and and do do research on how you can make money off of your passion. Right? Which no which means yeah. you gotta know what you like. Right. Um your kids, you gotta understand you gotta learn who you are and deal with the past traumas. Yes, good. Yeah, deal with the past traumas, right? So you won't you won't be um um uh dealing with the general generational curses passing generational curses down right right okay okay yeah we see a lot of times when we look at trauma and generations and people maybe have not had those conversations with themselves or other people to try to find some clarity and you begin to behave outside of who you are um and one thing we do find with in therapy is a person not is not sure who they are they will do anything or some things that's, that's outside of the character, but not knowing your character, you are subjected to a lot of um, negative behavior. I would say. Right. You, I mean, you take on you take on people, you take on things that you don't that you don't like, you know, that you don't right. want to do, and you don't understand why right. you keep repeating the same cycle because you don't know who you are. So you almost yeah, you you, you become an absorber, an absorber, a sponge of other people's stuff because you don't know what your own stuff is. Yep. And there's no, you have no force field. I think knowing who you are gives you a force field around you. Uh, things that will and will not reside in or around you in your life. Yep. So that, so that part I think is going to be key to understanding our ourselves. Okay, good. Okay. And so to wrap up, and so wrap up the things for the night. Um, I think like one of the things to think about as you. Um, have said so well earlier is like the blueprint for life understanding what you want and then being able to look for that and learn about how to get those things accomplished for yourself yes okay yes definitely definitely learn make a blueprint make a make a plan for everything from career to relationship make a plan make a plan for what you want to accomplish in life mm-hmm. yeah Every everything everything takes sacrifice. You gotta be willing to sacrifice what you want as well. So say more about that sacrifice part. Sacrifice, you know, you might have to. So I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a I'm a barber. You know, when I first started cutting hair, I had to cut hair all day, all night. I couldn't I couldn't like this is what I needed to do because I didn't I couldn't rely on a paycheck. I couldn't rely on a bi-weekly paycheck. You know, I I didn't I couldn't say all right. Well, I know I'm going to work from nine to five. I know if I didn't go out. And, and hand out flyers. I came up in a generation where you handed out flyers. You know? Right. Stand right. on the corner and If I didn't hand out flyers, how am I going to eat? You know, if I don't work all day, all night, how am I going to eat? Uh-huh. You know, so those are the sacrifices that I had to make. I couldn't go hang out with my friends. They work nine to five. Once they got off at work at five, they were going to happy hour. I couldn't do right. that. You know, right. I had right. to work. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just one, one of the little sacrifices that I, I've had to make. Um, coming up in, in the barber industry. But it's also so it's part about letting go of your pride in some cases, like being able to stick a, take a step back and recognize 
I need to do something different right now to get where I want to be. Correct. And then at some point, I can not work all day, all night, and be okay. But that you have to take the sometimes take the journey um, to get there. Yes. Yes. To the path of to the road of success, I guess. Yes. Yep. That's good. That's good. So I gotta tell you, I really appreciate your time. To, your time talking to me. I mean, you have. And I, I think I, I keep wanting to end in this conversation, but you keep giving me so many different <laughs> other things to think about. I'm like, this dude. But I think like part of the thing is because you are a person who has a lot of, um, I would just say, you know, what the knowledge, I believe. And, and you have so many nuggets you can definitely drop in each conversation. So I think we definitely would do this again. For sure. For sure. Um, and you know, in another format, but I think being able to just like, um, bring your bring your knowledge forward I think for people to hear I think it's key because I think one thing that we all know is that we learn by listening and watching other people yes um, social learning theory speaks a lot about we learn by watching and doing what other people have done so being able to hear someone who talk about sacrifice and success I think that's going to be key for all of us to hear more more from you Mr. Nafis Williams and your journey so I look forward to more conversations. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, John. Dr. John Teller, appreciate you. All right, sir. Thank you. Have a, have a, be well. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Later. All right. All right. Thanks.